0: This week's episode of OneShot was brought to you by Basecamp. When you use Basecamp to run projects, people know what to do, people know where things are, and you stay on top of everything all the time. We are we every place, in the world! We are, we are Hello heroes and welcome to another exciting episode of OneShot. I'm James Damato, your game master. This week we're playing Dialect, and it's one of 3 exciting kickstarters that I'm going to talk to you about in this intro, so let's get started. Dialect is a fascinating story game where players collaborate on creating a new language that guides the story throughout play. We were fortunate enough to play with the creators of the game and they do a much better job describing it than I do. Dialect is going to be kickstarting throughout the month of October. So if you like what you hear on the show, be sure to head out and back it. My good friend Keith Baker, the mind Behind Gloom, Eberron, and Phoenix Dawn Command is kickstarting a new game in October called Illamot. Illamot is a fresh take on classic card games like blackjack and poker, with edges that we've come to expect and love from modern games. But perhaps the most exciting thing about Illamot is that Keith is collaborating with the Decemberists, one of my favorite bands of all time. Keith was gracious enough to send us over a playtest copy of the game, so I recorded us playing it. Along with one of Keith's collaborators, Chris Funk, the lead guitarist for the Decemberists. I also invited Matt Young and Adel Rafi from Hello from the Magic Tavern, and Allie Barthwell from some of your favorite one-shot series to play with me. You can find the full 30-minute preview of Illamott on our YouTube page. Playing with Chris, Allie, Adel, and Matt was a bizarre dream come true. I have not been this excited about a board game coming out in a very, very long time. You can find the link to our Ill Matt video in the show notes, along with the link to the Kickstarter. Finally, our friends over at More Games, publishers of the Imperium's campaign setting, that powered our Feast Hall of Ash episodes, is translating their fantastic campaign modules to D&D 5th edition. The lore-filled world of Aleiod, with all of its otherworldly fey, creepy cultists, and power-hungry factions from the entire plight of Taltha series can come to your 5th edition table. That's over 500 pages of content. Players will gain access to new races, classes, gods, and more in the campaign guide. While the module series will bring a ton of new creatures, magic items, as well as exciting new optional mechanics like the story-driven emergence powers for players and up-the-ante suggestions and advice for GMs. That's over 500 pages of new Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition content. Whether you're a fan of detailed, expanded material, or you just like to skip preparation and run from modules, Imperiums is a great campaign setting to use. And I know firsthand from my experience with the Feast Hall of Ash that everything in Imperiums is well thought out and well executed. William Muma has put together a fantastic world, and I think anybody would have fun playing in it. 5th edition Plight of Tautha has already funded on Kickstarter. Just search Plight of Tautha or follow the link in the show notes. Finally, I can't start our episode without a quick thank you to our Patreon backers. Your support makes what we do possible. Be sure to catch up with the one-shot Twitch stream with Dungeon Rats on Monday, where Pat and the Dungeon Rats will be joined by special guest Aram Vartian from God's Fall. It's going to be a great episode, and you won't want to miss it. Also, join us on Twitch Thursdays for the board game stream, where we'll be playing Phantom Society. With all that out of the way, let's get to the show. Alright heroes, let's meet our party for this week. Uh, First up, a voice that is familiar to you, but only because he was on the show for a short period of time. I'm so glad to have him back. John Arcadian, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me back. I'm glad to be here in you know Indianapolis, the third best city right after Chicago and then of course Columbus. Wow, what a diplomatic answer.
0: I mean, we'll, we'll work on the order that you're introducing the best cities, but hey, that's pretty close. Although I do think Indianapolis needs to work on that sewage system, huh guys? (laughs) Um, But John, thank you so much for coming back and just to remind everybody you work with who? I work with Gnome Stew. Yeah, I primarily. think people might have heard of that. Yeah. And you're also designing with.
1: I'm designing with encoded designs, doing, you know, game development through encoded designs, making stuff like Character Cache, Hydro Hackers, a bunch of cool fake based stuff.
0: Very cool, very cool. And, like, uh, just so people can look it up, what's your latest project that you're working on? Uh,
1: the latest project that we've been working on through there is, is probably the no, Character so Cache. So a bunch of characters where we, we have an artist, Matt Morrow, go and draw characters characters based off our patreon voters votes on, on how they want characters to be and we write up stats for them in fifth edition savage worlds fate any other setting you know system they they want us to go to so we, we create
0: characters for them every every month that's very cool next up we have a voice that should be familiar to everybody because they should be listening to her show Thanks, but this James. is her first time on one shot sendle in awe. <laughs> Welcome.
2: Hi, James. Thanks for having me so much.
0: I'm very excited <laughs> to have you on. Senda. a... Uh- for the audience who is unenlightened, could you oh, please talk about your
3: work?
2: Absolutely. Um, so I am one of the co-hosts of She's a Super Geek, um, along with my co-host, Emily. Um, and we are an actual play RPG podcast that highlights women as GMs. Um, and, you know, designers as well, where we can. Um, so we release uh, episodes similar to what you do, James. We play one-shots, <laughs> um, and we release about our episodes every other week.
0: But it's a great tour uh, through different GMing styles from women who are all over the industry, mm-hmm. uh, some of whom who are lesser known and you know, it's just like their gaming table now.
2: Yes. Um, so we we do we like to grab basically internet personalities, um, whether it's designed game designers, um, other podcasters, uh, cool people to play with. Um, and just put them on the bikes.
0: Yeah, and it sort of uh, works with our ethos of uh, you would be surprised who plays role-playing games. Anybody can play, anybody can run, Mm -hmm. and there are so many games out there to run. So uh, if you need more games in your life, and you probably do, uh, you should head over to She's a Super Geek and check it out. But, goodness, it's Gen Con, baby.
3: Uh, But I'd like to
0: get over to the game that we're playing this week, and that is Dialect. Uh, And we have one of the designers here to introduce it to us.
4: Yeah, hi, uh, I'm Hakan, I'm one half of Thorny Games with Catherine Himes. Uh, We make games about uh, language, mainly, and uh, Dialect is our game in progress right now. It's a game about uh, telling the story of a community by how their language grows and dies. I'm
0: really curious about this because I am mostly familiar through Alex Roberts with your other design, uh, the the LARP, which was called Sign, 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 which is a fascinating concept. Uh, I recommend everybody head over to that episode of Backstory to check that out, so they can learn more about that. Um, And it just
4: won Best Free Game at the Indie Games Awards. It did at the inaugural
0: Indie Mm -hmm. uh, Indie Groundbreaker
4: Awards. Yeah, well, there are two different ones. Uh, Indie Groundbreaker, we won. Runner-up
0: for Game of the Year. That's right. So. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, it's it's won awards. I think it's a great game, and I really like the idea of using language as part of play. Oh yeah, and this game is centered around that. So uh, exactly, let's 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 run through the basics just so everybody gets an idea of what it is. So we have Katherine Himes and uh, Hakan here, uh, who both created Dialect together, and I'd like you guys to just give a quick introduction to the game, uh, maybe a little bit of origin, and uh, tell us about it.
4: Absolutely. So Dialect is a game about telling the story of a community that's gone into isolation through their language. We define the language by what the community holds dear and what defines them. And then we watch as as that language grows, changes, and dies. Uh, We think language is just a really expressive way of telling, showing the world who we are. And also it's a way for us to highlight this very real phenomenon of language death, which is prevalent across the world as English becomes more and more the language of commerce and information, and there are many dissentivizations towards parents passing on their native languages.
2: Absolutely. Um, And the genesis of this was um, from something really simple. It was like, can you tell a story while building a language? Um, Both of us um, have our quirky passions. One of (laughs) mine is linguistics. Uh, I delight in words, their history, and I truly believe that language is a lens on identity um, that is a motivation for this game. Can we explore identity of a community of people through their language? And does the language itself become an artifact of play? Um, which is pretty awesome because every example of this game is very particular to the group of people who are at the table, who build their dialect together and share it with among each other, and they are uniquely fluent in it.
0: It's a fascinating bit of collaborative world building that takes place because I-, I can actually only think of one other game that has anything similar questlandia uh has you introduce the syllables that you build language elements together and because language is so closely tied to identity i i'm imagining that this game is going to end up being a very personal experience i'm excited
3: for it
4: i think so uh we hope that as everyone who played it keeps seeing each other through the hallways in the
0: con you you the language is still fresh on your lips and so you can still keep talking it even then. perfect well thank you guys so much for introducing the game i cannot wait to play awesome I can't play, play with, with you.
2: <laughs> cool. Thank Those you so much. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah. So uh, for ready to go, I'll give us the background on the outpost. This is the setting in which we're going to play. And uh, after we define the setting, we'll together define the individual aspects that we're going to play with over the course of the game. So yes, this is where we come from. And we don't have a lot of agency in defining that. But who we are as people, we'll get to define. So that's kind of the distinction between what a backdrop is and what our aspects which we collaboratively define are. Sound good? So let me read the uh, the backdrop for the outpost. 2,000 brave souls. We left Earth in the year 2035 as part of the first Martian colonial outpost. When we first left, we were told there would be more to follow, but in reality, there never were. Over the five years that we've been on Mars, communications have broken down and has been years since we've heard from Earth. We will show these barren, hostile wastes what we're truly made of and what it means to do more than survive. So that's where we're coming from. And that helps set some Oh my of god. <laughs>
3: it's fantastic. <laughs> it's grim.
4: Alright. Well, we'll see just how grim we take it. It's up to you with how you define your people. So the next thing we're going to do in this game is define three aspects. And these are going to be three definitive parts of this community that we're going to be focusing on the course of the game and the things that we build language off of. Um, I have uh, an example list here for the outpost so we can pick some of those examples if we'd like. The only rule is that at least one of them cannot come from this list um this doesn't necessarily have to be things that everyone on the colony or in the isolation as we call it believes in it's just some major portion uh believes or embodies this aspect does that make sense yeah mm-hmm. and this can be uh anything that uh you think might be fun to play with uh so we have stuff like we till the earth uh if you're a particularly like ag- agrarian outpost science will like the way we are united by ideology but we've also played one where like Physical augmentations was like a very important part. Uh, or even one where dark humor was a defining aspect. And that one was a challenging one to play, but one of the most memorable ones we've had. So it's completely up to you all. Well. Um, <laughs> and to give some background, this is meant to be a GMless game, um, but I'll be playing uh, and kind of facilitating along the way for this one.
0: Yeah, I- ab- absolutely. I mean, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, I know when I play GMless, I'm normally guiding the game still. <laughs> exactly. Facilitator, I think, is the
4: euphemistic way people like to refer to it now sometimes. Uh, great. So, um, we have the example list here and I read some of them, um, uh, at the beginning. Do any of them sound like fun things that we'd like to play with on this game or any of them speaking to anyone?
1: I like the idea of being united by an ideology.
4: All right, then so let's define what that ideology would be. Um, so, did, did you have an idea?
2: I was looking at the list, so I wasn't being super creative, but I also actually really liked uh, "We Live Life to Excess."
4: All right, there we go. Oh wow, okay. we are united by ideology, and we live, and life, we live, to live life to excess. Okay, uh, so let's start off with those and define them out a little bit before we go on to the third. Sound good? Okay so we are united by ideology and let's define what that ideology is going to be and this is very open ended at the moment so
0: I, yeah, i ideology. feel like uh, so much of what their ideal our ideology is going to end up being is shaped by that second tenet that right. we live life right. to <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know at first i was picturing like these sort of brave explorers or these these hopeful outcasts but it seems like there's something darker at
4: Warped heart it. there. <laughs>
3: and remember,
0: not all of these are embodied by everyone
4: in the community, too. Sure. So these mm. don't necessarily have to be related. They could be subdivisions within the community. I think we're pretty enamored by We Live Life to Excess. So I'm definitely going to put that as yeah. mm-hmm.
1: But let's, let's kick it into, like, full hippie gear and just go out there and, like, we're going to do what we want to do on Mars. Earth can't contain us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I,
3: uh-huh.
0: I, I think the ideologies probably rotating around freedom and lawlessness in a sense, like yes. an, an anarchist colony on Mars.
2: Yes, awesome. Okay. So, why not put down
0: personal freedom?
2: The first pilgrims to Mars. Mars.
4: Personal freedom.
2: If they had come, there might have been a civil war. Yeah.
4: So now let's see what we're going to make the third aspect. And this is the only rule here is it can't be from the list. So we I already pick two from the list.
1: James, I think this is on you.
0: I kinda wanna get at because like when I first picture Mars, I you know, I know obviously we're colonizing Mars, so there's some terraforming going on, mm-hmm. but it's those vast red deserts with those dust storms. I feel something about endurance and like uh dealing with hardship i, I just it feels mm-hmm. so much like the original american colonizations mm-hmm. where we go to massachusetts yeah. and it's this savage frozen <laughs> wasteland mm-hmm. um so i i think something like uh i don't know how to phrase it though
4: and i'm really curious about how this fits in with the we live life to access yeah right? yeah uh, exactly i think there is a really interesting way to make those fit in but there's definitely something there that needs to be figured out
1: we well, you know, I mean, it could be like if we're out exploring the wasteland, trying to find what, what keeps us alive. When, when you come back from the end of the day of all that hard labor, you're just like, I'm cracking open a big one and venting out all this stress I have built up over the
0: day. And I guess the question is there, like, who's doing the labor? Are, are they really seeing any of it? Maybe, maybe it's more about conquering instead of uh, enduring. Maybe they have the tools that they need to survive and uh, they're really proud of that. So maybe we will conquer the wastes or something like that. There's Mm -hmm.
2: also the possibility that this is a class system. So we've got maybe an upper echelon of people who are living life to excess Mm -hmm. based on the labors of the people who are not, who are Mm -hmm. having to go out and explore on a daily basis and actually do all of the physical labor involved with that.
0: Okay. With such a clear contrast between a privileged class and an underprivileged class, I think we need to create an ideology that makes mobility difficult that that makes it so Mm -hmm. that there's a clearly defined boundary and we got to figure out why Mm -hmm. so what keeps people in place or what what excuse do the privileged class use (laughs) to keep people in place Well, there's,
1: there's, there's an idea of like the failed communism of we're all in this together and Mm -hmm. we'll take the burden of, of maintaining everything. All you have to do is go out and labor and we'll make sure the system works.
2: Mm. Make sure that you get fed and Mm. that you get the tools that you need. Oh, so this
4: really sounds like propaganda. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. right. That's a great one. Um, is that what we want?
0: Yeah, I think so. How how are we phrasing that again?
1: Something Uh, like, we're all working to the benefit of many, but that's crossed out, and some is (laughs) in its place.
0: Awesome.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. (laughs) We work for the benefit of many. Or of all. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. Benefits of all crossed out. Many. <laughs> <back>. Some. Some. <laughs> there we go. Oh, boy. I love Eventually, it. Eventually,
2: I feel like that's going to get X'd out, and there's going to be, like, me
4: yeah, Exactly. There, right? I am interested in hearing
1: about me. <laughs> it already has a, an uh, animal farm, you know, four legs good, two legs yeah. bad. Some four legs
3: Thanks. bad. <laughs>
4: exactly. Perfect. Okay, these are great aspects to start with. And now that we have kind of the broad strokes of uh, what we're going to focus on over the course of this game. I have a few individual questions I'd like to ask us around the table. Sure. to Help us fill in some of the details. Um, so as the person sitting to my left, James, do you mind if I start with you? Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, so the question is, how did communications break down? we on Outpost, right? Uh, was it that us, them, both, or neither? So communications with us have broken down by the backdrop. Right?
0: Kind of thinking it's us now. Mm-hmm. I think it's us, but not everybody knows that.
3: Oh,
4: (laughs) (laughs) awesome. Loving it. Uh, Second question. Um, Do we make food? Do we produce basic necessities of life?
1: We do produce them, but they are under the control of the sun.
4: Awesome. Mm -hmm. Love it. Thank you, John. And Senda, Mm -hmm. what types of structures do we live in? Are there places for communal gatherings?
2: Um, I think that I think there's a distinction. Right. Depending on which sort of cast you've ended up in. Mm-hmm. So I think that the upper echelons are living um, above ground in some sort of like plasma form things that are probably reasonably um, climate controlled and fairly comfortable. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of our laborers are living underground awesome. because that's how they're controlling the environment. They didn't have the stuff to build. I kind of like
0: the idea of, like, ready-made landing ships that sort yes. of drilled into the ground, and there's a dome city up top, Right. And everybody else yes. is in the drill.
2: Yes, so there's everybody machines. else is still living in the yeah. ship, but, like, underground, where there's oh, no the light chair. or anything, yeah. mm-hmm. and then the upper echelon is just, like, in this part. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, we've got the beautiful views and the vistas. Isn't <laughs> the <cafes> Mars nice?
1: And <laughs> underground, people are just digging away a little digging. hole and climate controlled, and, well, that's my house that's now. That's my house oh, yeah. now.
2: I yeah. will sleep in this little alcove.
4: Mm-hmm. I love the idea that, like, this is the ship but also maybe there are like tendrils out yes because they've they've been building out
2: yeah Uh i do think that there are communal gathering areas because i think that you have to have a way to come down to the people and make sure that they are controlled and 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 getting that message that no this is the best way to live we will take care of you absolutely we are working for you so i think that yes there are definitely communal gathering areas
4: perfect thank you so much Mm -hmm. uh and the question for me uh, for whom is life is life hardest in the isolation and why? I think we've kind of gotten through this already, <laughs> right? It's the people who live underground mm-hmm. in the ship who are aching out a living, trying to just like expand whatever tiny quarters they have by tilling into the earth by whatever way they can. Um, it's definitely hardest for them. So great. So I think that's helped us get a bit of a sense for what this community is like physically and socially as well. So the next thing we're going to do is we're each going to define a character. The way characters work is we have these cards which basically embody archetypes of different types of characters. Uh, There will be a description of top, so uh, a leader, a paragon of what it means to be in the isolation, we come to you when we need decision or action as an example. Uh, it will then say why people come to talk to you because this game is all about conversations. So we'll be having conversations over the course of the game. And also we're going to have relationship with your aspects at the very bottom. Uh, so for the leader, for example, it says you identify with all of the aspects, but you take, you may take one too far, right? So even though we're all members of this community, it doesn't mean that uh, we all believe the same things, right? We're going to believe very different things and have different relationships with what define us. So I'm going to deal out three to everyone, and then we're going to pick one that we most identify with and feel like would be fun to play. Sounds You're good. are randomly
1: dealing them out. Yes. Okay.
2: So much excitement, I haven't even turned <gasps> them over yet. Who
4: am what? I? Who am I? Who am I? Oh my gosh. So are we allowed to tell
1: who we are, we're we allowed to talk about these.
4: Um, we're all going to pick one. And then after you have it picked it, this one, it might be good to have some meta conversation because there is such a distinct social structure and decide like which one of us kind of are interested in playing what, just so nothing unexpected happens when you define our characters. But usually what would happen is you pick an archetype. Um, you would write the name you picked for your character, uh, as well as your role in the isolation. Uh, so that doesn't necessarily need to be your archetype, but in some cases there may be overlap. Um, but you would write that down, and then um, we would go around the table, and we'll give a brief introduction and discuss your relationship with the aspects based on what's at the bottom of the card. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, so I'll give everyone just a few minutes where uh, we do that, right? And then... Uh, or, well, actually, first we'll talk about where we sit hierarchically. Does everyone have an idea of what kind of character they'd like. To
0: so be? yeah, I, I've got, Oh, well, I've got the three aspects. Um, and I think the ones that are calling out to me are sort of on opposite sides of this thing. I have ruler. You have ultimate power <laughs> in the isolation. <laughs> yeah. Your will always comes to pass or protector steadfast and secure. You, shield. you are the shield that guards the isolation either from outside or within. So, uh, I I want to first uh, see where other people are ending up on the spectrum and see what do we need more of. Do we need more oppression or do we need something else?
3: Uh.
1: Hey, sir, I have some more oppression. <laughs> yeah.
0: No. I
4: mean, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the one that I'm kind of interested in playing is one of mine is the mediator. And I like this idea. We had talked about the communal gathering spots before where there are people who have to go and like actually do the disseminating of ideology Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that that would be an interesting place to play Uh, I think that mediator would still be in the upper class but if anyone is straddling the two it would probably be that character
2: I have to admit I'm also having trouble deciding. I'm having trouble deciding between the explorer and the oracle. So the explorer goes beyond the boundaries the rest of us do um, to uncover new potential. And the oracle knows what's coming for us and most of us believe them.
3: Ooh. So
2: actually, um having read it again, I'm just going to go ahead and say the oracle. oracle. <laughs> awesome.
1: cool. So I'm looking at the magician, the artist, and the healer. Well, the healer would be fun. It would be very useful that's not happening. <laughs> and the artist says you're going to keep us going when things look their darkest. That's not happening. <laughs> the magician. No one understands how you accomplish what you do. You have your secrets. People talk to you when they've exhausted all rational option. That's yes.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Alright. Awesome. Okay. You know what? I, I really like the dynamic that we have here because we sort of have this middle figure character who has to run between both sides that are obviously strongly opposing viewpoints. We've got this oracle who's like a harbinger of darkness that is to come. <laughs> and what I like about the magician, to me, it's a wild card. <clears throat> it's like a power that either side of this could tap if they become desperate. So I think I will become the ruler yes. so that you have something to rage against.
3: Yes. Conflict, we, are, conflict, we all conflict. wanted that. <laughs> it's great.
0: Awesome. So you guys need some more repression, see? <laughs> and guess who's there to give it to you. Mm-hmm.
2: I feel like I feel like I can warn the people about this. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. All right. So at this point, think of a little bit of a setting for your character. Think of a name and what their actual job in the isolation is going to be. Write those down on your little um, character card. And then I'm going to go around the table, have everyone give a brief introduction to yourself, and I'll ask you one additional question to flesh out tiny more detail about your character.
1: I figured it out as soon as I saw the magician. Jonah is the chief engineer. He keeps everything running. And that's because our ship is called The Whale. It's Jonah
2: in the belly of the whale. Oh, oh
3: too
4: so good. <laughs> very nice. Very, very nice. Already new language.
2: Oh, no. I can't remember her name. What is the name of the lady in Greek mythology who is blind and no one believes her?
1: The Oracle of Delphi.
2: Yes, but what's her actual name?
0: Isn't it Cassandra? Cassandra. Thank
2: you. Yeah. Nice. That's where we're going with it's this. It's
1: Cassandra's Tears from the Dresden Novels
2: books. Uh Or you know, well, Greek (laughs) mythology. I mean, (laughs) mean... just saying.
0: All right, and to continue with our whale imagery, I am going to be Director of Operations, Geppetto. (laughs) (laughs) Too good.
1: Are, Are you cybernetic? Do you have some parts that have been like replaced so you can keep going?
0: I feel like a lot of people have cybernetics and I became director of operations because I control cybernetics. Like They're all hooked on Wi-Fi, and if I wanted to, I could press a button, and everybody's cybernetic implants would stop.
2: Oh. All right, um, so I am going to be playing Cassandra Delfino, and <laughs> um, I work in the weather station, so uh, essentially I have to keep track of the dust storms, That sweep across the surface so that when we're sending people out into the fields of Mars Mm -hmm. um, to do whatever they do, it's my job Mm -hmm. that I basically have to send out the storm warnings. I have to know when they're coming, all that kind of stuff. I've got to keep the workers safe.
4: Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, And I'm Abigail Masterson. So Abigail is a um, public relations officer. I think when originally the colony was set up, we didn't have individual Faces associated with public relations, it was all intercoms and blaring, and that was not good for keeping people on board, right? So they needed faces. So they found someone with a great face, someone who could (laughs) go and speak in these public places and just lie. And um, I think to some extent, Abigail knows what she's doing and is very conflicted about that on a regular basis. Great. So I think we've given short introductions to everyone, but I'd like to ask you one um, particular question each, just flesh out a little bit more detail of your characters. So Jonah, what tool do you use every day?
1: I've always got a spanner. It, It carries multiple things. I mean, you can never, ever underestimate the use of a good spanner you you know you sometimes you got to use it to bang on something you got to get the right pipes going you got to move you know move a circuit board right into place but you have to pull yet you you can't get into the guts until you can get the the outer casing off and you always need that good spanner right there a good multi-use one a good multi-tool well there's there's nothing you can't tackle
4: perfect jonah thank you and um cassandra What is your favorite place in the isolation?
2: I spend most of my time up in the weather tower. And, um, I find that having that experience where I'm almost in the outside atmosphere again, um, it's very soothing to me to be up there. There aren't, there aren't a lot of other people. There's not a lot of other noise. Um, when I come back down into the rest of the spaceship, I, I find that, um, it can be a little bit overwhelming for me.
4: Awesome. And it sounds like, um, if you identified with one part of the social hierarchy, that sounds like it's the lower decks. It sounds like it's the people in the ship. Yeah. I have
2: to, um, you know, when I come back from working the day shift, unfortunately, I have to go very deep Mm -hmm. into, uh, the, the whale again. Um, and I, I find the, the, the dark darkness and the, the bright lights and just the number of people in the close quarters I find to be, um, I find to be very overwhelming.
4: Awesome. Thank you so much. Question for me, what place in the isolation always makes you uneasy? The place that always bothers me the most is the Grand Dining Hall. I often have to do shifts down in the whale where I'm out there and I'm talking to everyone who lives in the Lower Decks. And when I do that, it's very conspicuous if I don't eat my meals in the common dining hall. And so at that point, I have no choice. I have to go there. And that's where the lies are most apparent to me. And that always makes me tremendously uneasy. So, Geppetto, you disagree with someone a lot. Who are they? Oh,
0: wow. I wonder who it would be. (laughs) (sighs) You know, uh, there are a lot of people down in the lower reaches who uh, like to get together and Tell lies. Lies hurt the community and they hurt me most of all because I care about everyone on the station. And if I find out who the Oracle is, we can sit down to equals as this is an equal society that provides benefit for some people. I just think this is, this needs a dialogue. And if this coward would come out of hiding and talk to me, Everything would be fine. I'm, I'm the operations director. I'm here to help you.
4: Mm-hmm. Let me direct my operations.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know we have 100% employment on the station? That no is- society in the history of the world has had 100% employment. But aboard our station, everybody's got a job. And if they do it properly, there wouldn't be any problems at all. As far as my report director, I let everyone know. <laughs>
4: Wonderful. So the next thing we do, and uh, this is the last thing we do before we start the regular turn structure of the game, is uh, we choose a pathway. Uh, So the pathway is how the isolation actually comes to an end. So we talked a little bit about how communications were severed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's been communicated that it was Earth that severed communications, but really it was us. Yes. Right? Now, one of the things that we do buy into over the course of this game is that the isolation is going to come to an end. And at this point, we're going to define in broad strokes how that's going to happen. Uh, like, is it uh, destruction, internal strife, assimilation, stuff like that. For the purpose of this game, I'd like to um, do the assimilation pathway. Uh, so we will be assimilated into some other force. Um, this might be um, because of... Um, just uh, physical dominance, uh, it could be because of cultural relevance, it could be because of economic factors. We'll figure that out as we play the game, uh, but we're just buying into that uh, that's the way the isolation is going to end at this point. Sound okay. good? All Sounds right. Sounds good. So let me get started with the uh, normal course of play. So the way every turn works is we're all dealt oops, four cards from the dialect deck. And these will have new words that we can define. Now on your turn, your turn has three phases. Take one of these cards and as the first part of your phase, which is make a connection, you tie this word to one of the aspects on the table. So you might say, I think our word for the past is tied to... And I'll just do my first turn now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that our word for the past is going to be related to our ideology, our ideology of personal freedom. Because I think that one of the big ways that we define ourselves and distinguish ourselves from the past was the lack of freedom that we had on earth, right? So this is a way that I've tied the concept of the path of the past to this aspect in our society. But we don't yet have a new word for this. When we define words in this game, they're mainly going to be repurposed words uh, in the language that we're speaking. Right. Uh, So we might call the past something else uh, that's related to this. We can also have words that are like based on sounds or stuff like that as well. Um, but generally, uh, yeah, I, I
0: kind of got an idea already.
4: Oh um, wait, so ooh. after after I do my whole turn, yes. then you'll get your chance. <laughs> oh, oh, there's, there's more. A, you don't get to direct these operations. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, but so the first part of the phase is uh, make a connection. So mm-hmm. I just made the connection. The second one is build a word, and this is a communal phase. So I've explained what that connection is, and it's because when we refer to the past, um, we think about that lack of personal freedom that we had on Earth. Right? Um, when we're building the word, we now together are going to decide what that word is. Uh, since it's my turn, I'm the ultimate judge on what actually makes it into the language. Oh, and cool. I get to discuss, kind of, I get to lead the discussion. Um, so if I feel like that's not really the way I was looking for it, I was really looking for a word that kind of brought this out instead, that's totally up to me. Um, but at the end, we're going to come up with it together. So what do we think? Did anything pop to anyone's mind uh, when we were talking about the past? And the lack of personal freedom in the past.
1: Now, do we have to? Does it have to be like a single word, or is it like you know, in languages where where you know, <laughs> you know, German, where a series of words get mushed together to make a concept?
4: That would be perfect as well. Um, it could be a single word. It could be a phrase. It could be a um, portmanteau. Um, or it can be um, – and, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're just defining this one word. Variants of that, as they come up in conversation, are completely acceptable.
0: So when I think about you know going to Mars for personal freedom, uh, you got to think about what the situation was like back on Earth to actually make that happen for somebody to go, it is too restrictive here. I will make the sacrifice to go to a totally new planet that is not fit for human life mm-hmm. because I can't exist here. Um, so I kind of have to imagine that a lot of resources on earth were rationed, um, and like restricted. So I feel like our word for the past should relate to that in some way, mm-hmm. wh- whether it's, you know, a lack of personal space, a lack of personal resources, like something like small and crunched. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see that. One thing that I also like to
4: explore with this word is is uh, even though it originated from, like, our lack of personal freedom on Earth, um, I'd like this to not necessarily just be referring to the time back on Earth. Okay. It's like uh, every day I think we're getting more free even, mm-hmm. right? So, like, any of these concepts would still work when even just referring to yesterday, I think. So that's something that we can explore as well, right? going freer by the day as far as we're told.
2: So I have one, one other mechanical question. Absolutely. So are we picking a word, just an existing word that we're repurposing, or are we, gonna co- are we coming up with a whole new word out of nowhere like yeah. we would for Questlandia? Uh,
4: usually uh, we're repurposing a word. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it could be a mishmash of words, uh, mm-hmm. like John was suggesting, uh, or it could be a phrase as well. So definitely. Mm-hmm. Did you have something, John?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I like the idea of it being a, the time before, since we are kind of defining ourselves by what we're escaping. Mm-hmm. Um But I also like the idea of kind of like, like it being like a seed ground, like, you know, that was the time before, you know, that was like the genesis or the origin, but, but with a bad connotation to it, you know, Mm. that, that was our, you know, our, our, dark soil sort of thing and now we're on mars so it's all red soil this is the the ground in which we're going to Mm -hmm. grow a better thing you know interesting
4: i i I definitely the more i think about the more i do kind of like the past being referred to referring to the time before mars because i think that is a culturally very significant thing that we're going to want to talk about Mm -hmm. right so actually i'm going to take back what i just said a little while ago um and I want to revisit that rationing idea, right? Because I really want this to be tied to the personal freedom and the lack of personal freedom on Earth. So um definitely something like um you know the days of ration, um the the rationing, the uh the restriction. Of, exactly yeah. the restriction, the structure, the mold. The meter. The meter, we're all being kind of judged. Yeah.
1: The meter, like like as if like Everything in the past was metered. We're all looking forward. So, you know, how was, you know, were you metered yesterday or, or were you free? You know?
4: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think at the moment I'm, I'm mainly thinking of this as like referring to the time back on Earth. Right. So, but I can definitely see referring to that as something like metering mm. or or maybe even just like.
2: The shackles. Shackles.
4: Yeah. yeah, I like the prison thing. Yeah. Right? The shackles, the the cell. The cell. Into, like, the, time, like yeah. the cell. I like the cell. Oh, the like cell, yeah. Our sentence. Maybe that was like the what sentence. we were through our time back on Earth. Like this is our liberation. This is right. where free. Yeah. Right? So how about we really run with that jail analogy? Yeah. Do you like that? Yeah. Okay, I cool. like the Yeah, the cell yes. is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's call that the cell. And this is also just like wonderfully... Um, This is going to be great for like to use in propaganda. I think well, right? (laughs) Yeah, it should be handy. Really good fit. So the cell, and just any general prison-related like uh, terms. The cell, um, the liberation. That's like Mm when we got out, right? Liberation. And so I write that on the card, and at the bottom I'm going to say what that's referring to: past time on Earth. And I'll place that on the aspect that it originated from. There we go. And so now we have the first new word in our dialect. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last thing you do on your turn, so I uh, already talked about the first two, which was um, make a connection and then uh, build a word. The last thing is have a conversation. So at this point, um, me, ask my character, or if I don't feel like my character would use this, I can ask another player at the table to have the conversation if it would be a more relevant word for them. Uh, We'll use this in a short conversation, just like three or four sentences back and forth, where my goal in that conversation is to show what that word means to my character right what does Mm -hmm. the cell what does liberation mean to my character so i'll set the scene by saying where i am and what i'm doing and uh designate at least one other person who would be at that place as long as that player agrees that their character would be there uh so i think that uh where abigail is going to be is in one of the uh is in one of the lecture cells right i think that there isn't just one gigantic place where things are disseminated i think to get that like intimate connection that you really need to like buy people in you have to have these like small meeting areas absolutely and uh people are pretty much required to go right Mm -hmm. um and so she's delivering one of those and um who do we would think would be there i think either uh Jonah or Cassandra, um, you would need to attend at least some of these, yep. right? So either of you would be rife. Um, which one of you would prefer?
1: I'll be there. I've,
4: All right, I've got work to do, but fine. <laughs> you don't want to keep this place running,
1: but whatever.
4: And we're honored to have our chief engineer with us uh. for this meeting. Jonah, ever since we got liberated from the cell, how you've accomplished keeping this ship running, it's beyond belief and it's an inspiration to everyone in the belly of the whale we just want to thank you with all of our hearts with all the vigor of our people you're welcome (laughs) i just remember when we were back in the cell how we looked out to the skies how we knew one day we would be free and now we are and with that we will keep living our new lives in the whale with your incredible incredible resourcefulness helping us survive
1: oh i'm i'm happy to do my part to to keep it working uh one of the best things i like about about the whale is that uh nothing of it came from the cell it was built out in the freedom of space and and i kind of see it like this seed you know that 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 sprung forth you know but but never you know it, it took from from the cell just took you know things brought up but it wasn't until they were out in the vast reachness that that we could like build a better a better way to get to our future
4: it truly is of ours and not of the cell thank you Jonah beginning meeting 1A7B in cell 7 a 52 and that's um. the end of the conversation. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> mm-hmm. I like great. how we're having
1: these meetings in cells, uh-huh. even though oh, we don't trying. like the yeah. cells. Yeah. yeah, we've still got like like that the chains that are still there on us. That's, that's, that's pretty true. great.
4: Did I refer to it, yes, right, it as a thing? Yes. All right, that's a thing. Okay, there we go. Oh my god! That gave it a
2: really cool double meaning, right there. Yeah.
4: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and the cell, maybe that's something that like sprung up completely organically, what we were referring to on Earth. And I was like, oh, shit, we're already calling all these things like, cells. Um, but great. So um, that was my turn. And so now I redraw one card um, from the blue deck, which I'll find in just a second. But mm-hmm. it's your turn now.
0: All right. Um, since we defined the past, uh, I think it would be good if we did something contrasting and defined the future. And right, I nice. would like to do that through we live life to excess mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is the most personally positive to people like they it, it's the dream that everybody kind of has there it's like we left earth we risked our lives because we want to be able to do that so that that's where the future is sitting right now and I, I really feel like to them the future represents the life that at least whether or not people actually believe it uh, they're reinforcing through language. This is the life that we deserve. This is the life that we will all one day have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So we're not there yet, but we're we're not there, there yet, there. but we're working to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I was thinking of like front loading it with reward. Uh, the The word that popped to mind for me was like bounty or something like representing mm. that. Mm-hmm. um the this, yeah that. this is all the stuff that you the will harvest, get yeah. mm-hmm. just yeah. you got to work hard keep the working, hard. Keep working hard yeah <laughs>
4: yeah like it's definitely coming yeah <sighs> yeah i love all of those it's... um yeah something around bounty, harvest payload mother load yeah um, uh, i like i like that plant
1: idea like you know the harvest the bounty you know but bounty of the harvest sort of thing like and and with the whale going and with us being like dug into the ground, it just it gives me this like plant idea. Like things mm. are going to spring forth from it. So maybe it's like the blossom.
0: And you mentioned Ooh. it as a seed before yeah. too. The blossom,
2: the blossom. Ooh. Ooh. I really like the, the blossom, bloom. The, the
0: bloom. Yeah.
4: So I want for so you're the uh, you're the arbitrator this turn, James.
0: Okay. Well, I do kind of want to get everybody involved. Oh, have you picked the word? Yeah, I, I think the bloom. I yeah. really liked the bloom. Awesome. Um, so let me give you. Uh... We sleep in the cell
1: until it comes time for the bloom. Yeah. Oh my. Mm-hmm. Oh man, like <laughs> plant cells and uh-huh. stuff. Oh, too good because we're, we're trapped in here. We know we're trapped in here now, but but that's why it's we're going. Digging out. It's going that's why to we're bloom. Roots that it will come for some.
2: <laughs> for. Some, for for all Him. slash movie slash song oh, slash <laughs> <Geppetto>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rethinking what word I want to do.
4: And to give some idea of structure as well, we're going to go once around the table mm-hmm. uh, before we move into age two. And what's going to happen between age one and age two is there's going to be a minor event that's foreshadowing how we're going to become assimilated. Um and we'll have some scenes around that, so that'll be a time for us to use some uh, the language in bigger ways than just like short little conversations. Uh, and then once we go around the table one more time, we'll move into H three. And between H two and H three, there's going to be a major event taking us towards assimilation.
0: Ooh, the bloom! All right, so we've we've got the bloom, and we we already had a scene between Jonah and um, I'm. I remember your characters, Abigail. Abigail, Jonah, and Abigail. Man, I love. going to take a moment and say how much I love that you chose the name Abigail because it makes me think of pilgrimages so much. <laughs> um, I would like to have a uh, scene with Cassandra. Oh boy! Um, yeah, I, I. The way I think this is, um, I feel like. Underground, like you are making some of your stronger thoughts heard, but you're, you're still doing your best, uh, publicly, but playing it more safely. Yes. Um, so I, uh, (laughs) Geppetto does this thing that he calls, office hours
3: where <laughs> he it's it's
0: almost like a lottery system but like somebody gets to go talk to geppetto and the thing will be broadcast after it's been heavily edited um it's almost like it's a podcast like,
2: yeah. with, with bunny ears it's, gets to it's like yeah
0: it's like one of those fireside chat things that mm-hmm. uh the, the president does uh so i i, I think cassandra is somebody who like there's been some rumbling she's something of a community organizer uh so I feel like he's trying to make it seem like they're both doing the same work right and uh y- your name again was was Cassandra
2: Cassandra delfino yeah I work in the weather tower
0: oh in the weather tower
2: in the weather tower yeah
0: and you work on monitoring the weather for the whole station? I, I do. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Cassandra, I'm so glad that you could join me today. As you know, uh, the point of these chats is so that we can see that everybody on the station is working to get us to the bloom. And I just want to show everyone how your job fits into the vision of the bloom that's going to grace the station one day and i'm so glad that you decided to join me how, how are things going in the weather station
2: um well you know uh, it's much easier to see clearly from from above sort of all the noise and bustle that we experience in the belly of the whale and um i i do feel like um uh director i feel like there are some some issues with with the bloom coming um that uh
0: you know um see this is the this is the thing that i am always telling people you what na- you're doing right now is you're framing thoughts in the cell back then there were issues there were always issues to overcome but we're not concerned about life on the cell anymore we're concerned with the bloom so what you don't see is they're not issues we see it challenges and challenges exist for one reason cassandra that's to be overcome. That's the way we reach the bloom. That's the way we get what we were promised when we first set foot on this planet and drilled into its crust and started mining the resources, which are going to pay off very soon.
2: It's um. It's sometimes difficult to see the bloom coming. Um-
0: Absolutely, Cassandra. In my darker moments, I'm in a cell, too. I hate to admit it because I don't want to discourage anyone out there. But it's okay to have those thoughts. But you have to remember, they're dark, bad thoughts, Cassandra. And the sooner you push them out of your head, the sooner we're all going to reach the bloom. And I'm so glad that you're in that tower watching over everyone and helping us weather those storms. When the dust comes... You're right there to make sure people batten down the hatches and stay safe in the belly of our beautiful whale. Cassandra, it means a lot to me that you do that, and I know down there it means a lot to those people, too, even if you don't hit it 100% of the time.
2: Um, I I actually do get it hundred percent of the time it's well
0: that's great that's great <laughs> then section six has no reason to worry thank uh, you so sex, much cassandra six? thank you what's so much for joining I, me today and i
4: hope just we come with, see six, six, come all with all me all of you I, we, in cassandra, the bloom okay
3: come on very very session soon. over <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right very good
4: and here is your next card next card I love, the w- I love the way you
1: play it. So I, 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 how, how do I? Because you are not a stumbly person. But <laughs>
4: <laughs> I actually am right a hundred percent of the time.
2: Actually, actually, I am. But um, wait, you pulled me out of the tower, and now something terrible is happening. I'm not watching.
3: <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
1: Jonah. All right. So I've I've got some pretty good cards that I want to put on one of these. And and it's hard to choose because I've got a piece of technology, which would be right up the chief engineers. I've got money, which would be a great way to define control. I've got work, which is what we're talking about. But I've also got expletive, so I have to go for it. <laughs> so,
3: but also, yes. I have expletive. Oh, so I have expletive.
1: So since we since we don't have one on, we work for the benefit of the all slashed many slashed out some. I'm going to put expletive.
4: On. Uh-huh. And what's the connection? Why is that aspect going to be connected to our expletive?
1: Well, so so the way I'm thinking about it, and if we're going with this plant sort of you know metaphor, working for the benefits like. The way you you kill a plant, the way you like you know have issues with it is you you know make it infertile soil. You you know you you kind of destroy it. You 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 make it so the plant can't grow. And the, and the phrase that instantly came to mind to me was you salt the earth.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what you would do is kill the roots, right? Right.
1: And mm-hmm. so from an expletive, if it's like. Hey, hey, stop salting off over there, you know.
3: Awesome.
1: <laughs> you salt off. Like salty
0: words create salty earth, which means there's no bloom. No bloom oh. at all. Bloom. <laughs> salt. Oh, I love salt. it. I, I don't think I we think even need to talk it. about that. Oh my god. <laughs> Nailed it. Yep. One and done.
2: Oh man. I'm rethinking what I was going to do then. Um, no, I think I'm still yeah, i do this. Yeah, I love the way
0: that these plans change and evolve based on <laughs> What else awesome has happened? Everybody else is contributing, mm-hmm. and we still do a conversation with Jonas. Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get the Sultan thing started. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, where are you? What are you doing? Uh, I want to talk
1: to Cassandra. because okay. She just drug off to Section Six. Oh yeah. man. Hey, hey! Don't don't let it get don't let it get to you. You're you're fine. Yeah. You know, <laughs>
2: I just it it seems like it seems like this whole area is just it's been salted and I I just um I I wasn't watching it's my job to watch no I, no
1: it, you know the problem you know the real you know the real salt of this matter you. You know, it's that salt and salty Geppetto.
2: I can't believe you just said that.
1: Well, you know, salt and things happen all the time.
2: I'm, I mean, um.
1: Say it. I Say it. will make you feel better. No, I. Say it. No. Come on.
2: I, I'm sorry. I I, I, can't, I I can't. I can't. I can't say that. Say it. You're, you're, a
1: strong, you're a strong person. Come I'm, on. I'm,
2: I'm, I. am i Don't I need to be back in my tower now?
1: You'll, you'll go back to your tower after I'm- you say <laughs> it. I can shut off power to your tower right now, and I will you, if you don't you say it. You wouldn't
2: do that. Come on and it. You wouldn't it. do that.
1: Go on the count of one. Two. Salting. There you go. There you go. Say salting Geppetto.
2: Okay. No. Say it.
1: Come on. We're not recording. Okay. One. Two. Are you sure? There's
2: recording everywhere. Nope. No?
1: Not anymore.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Salting Geppetto.
1: Salting Geppetto. Salting. Salting Geppetto.
2: Salting Geppetto. There
1: you go. All
2: right. Salting.
1: Yeah. Going a little overboard. Salted. Okay, good. But he, Don't want to create a monster. Salting <laughs> to pet Right. All right, I'm turning the recorders back on. Okay. So would you like some more tea?
3: <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
4: <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> okay. I, w- I wonder if there are any natural antonyms to salt, too. Like, brought up the tea. Mm. Like
2: Interesting. That.
4: All right, um, let me give you a card. There you go. And Senda, what will our next word be?
2: Okay, I think our next word is going to be um, a word that we use for a special occasion. I think that it is going to be associated with living life to excess.
4: All right, I and like that. How are those connected? Um,
2: my feeling on that is um, kind of what I'm imagining is the day that um, the day that the workers in the belly of the whale uh, kind of get. Their, um, their rations. Maybe there are special occasion days mm-hmm. when you get a little bit extra mm-hmm. to keep mm-hmm. everybody happy. Um, and so this is, these are these, these, um, set days that happen on a particular schedule, um, at which, um, there's, there's just that moment that despite living underground in the terrible circumstances, suddenly all of these workers have a little bit of the excess mm-hmm. that the upper echelon experiences all the time. My initial thought based on the bloom is something maybe to do with like, um, pollination or bees mm-hmm. or something along those lines and oh. the delivery of like things.
4: Yeah, the the honey, the royal jelly, right? Cherry, honey, the, yeah.
2: Ooh, honey days. Honey, honey days.
3: days.
4: <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah. Honey days are coming.
2: Honey days are coming. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, wow! I really like that. Yeah. That's <laughs> That's just how do you guys, guys feel? Yeah, but honey days. Sweet. Honey, honey days. Honey days. Sweet honey days.
0: And again, like it ties right back into the idea of pilgrimaging and all that. Yeah, well, it's milk and honey, man. Yeah. Milk and honey. It's oh, perfect. Oh, Here so we go. Good. <laughs>
2: Honey days.
0: Mm. Honey days are here again. And
1: just working towards honey day. (laughs) Thank God it's honey day.
4: And this does actually tie into the the antonym for salt that we were talking about a little bit. There definitely seems to be a sweet, good, salt, bad vibe.
1: And that ties into the idea of we live to
4: excess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about the sweets. Mm -hmm. Sweet, sweet honey.
2: All right. Nicely
4: done. So, where are you? What you doing? And who else would be Hmm. there?
2: Sorry. Let me think about this. No, totally. (laughs) No, I unmiked myself. You know what? I think, um, I think that, uh, I think I'm going to end up in a conversation with Abigail, Mm -hmm. um, on a honey day. I think that's what's happening because of course Abigail would come down,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, from, from above,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, probably as part of this delivery of, uh, of um, amazing things and, and, you know, um, special like non just bar rations yeah, and yeah. <laughs> like actual food, maybe vegetables or, or, or fruits or something that these people really only get once a quarter something like that right so um so honey day um so i think it is honey day um Mm -hmm. and uh, maybe abigail helps with the delivery of those so that there is that that um the face that is associated with the delivery of excitement and like that basically christmas
4: absolutely that's great it's here tower c it's honey day Come on. You've been working real hard for this. I know. And this is, this is your freedom now. You're right. Help yourselves to the bounty. There would be so many of these leading up to the bloom. Honey day is here. Honey day is here.
2: Um, uh, I, I, um, do you, do you, understand. um, I mean, if we could get these a little bit more frequently, I think that that would actually, um, you know, help a a lot of the folks down here. We, we just really, if if we could do fruit a little bit more often, I mean, could we, I mean, honey days are a wonderful idea. Um, I just... um,
4: We bring down everything that we can. You know that up there, they, they're just working so hard to make the honey days happen. And... And they've they've worked. They've been bringing them to the people, to you. I mean, do I recognize you from somewhere? Um, I don't.
2: I don't. I don't think so. No. i um,
4: You were in Geppetto's office last week, were I work. You? I
2: work in the weather tower.
4: Huh. Okay. Well, uh, honey days for everyone. We honey all worked for that together. For so, um,
2: you know, I, I just, um, I have to say that it, it feels a little bit like when I'm, when I'm passing through the, the, the head of the whale to get to the tower, it feels like, um, it feels like it's, you know, a little bit more, um, available in the head than, than it is, um, in the belly.
4: Well, that's, that's quite an act
2: accusation I'm, I'm, it's 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 not it's it's not an it's not an accusation I, I just um I mean I I, 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 I just I, I just I saw it and and I just I thought that I should um I thought that I should maybe tell you
4: who was it who I, was hoarding I, they'll be punished that wait. would not be tolerated up there uh-huh. I want to know as as much as you if not more I'll make sure that they're punished accordingly and all the honey drifts down to the belly wait. For all of us to enjoy together oh, 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 okay, wonderful. you just bring any grievance like that directly to me cassandra oh, oh,
2: okay i i i'm I'm going go ahead and and um just take my my honey, honey day of course ra- rations so um yeah, yeah th- thank you Abigail
4: have a wonderful day and <laughs> transmission that's great and <laughs> transmission, yep, awesome. Uh, so that's the end of age one, and these are our words. Uh The bloom, honey days, the cell, and salt. And I'm glad that we did get, get the excellent out there, because it <laughs> sounds like Jonah was just chomping at the bit for oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> salt
1: and straight, I was. Yeah.
4: <laughs> While going from age one to age two, we pick one of three pathways for us to go through uh, in this assimilation pathway. So one of three... uh individual small choices. So we have two, three choices on how we're going to proceed with the story. Uh, Age two is all about foreshadowing the assimilation. Um, The three choices we have are one, rumors of an outside force are spreading. How did they start? Why do we all not believe them? Second one is evidence of an outside force on its way appears. How do we all react? So rumors versus evidence. Or an outsider is taken in. How do they change life within the isolation, and what does that mean? So the third one would be a little more difficult to weave into this narrative, but Mm -hmm. if we can think of a way, that would be great as well. Uh, So what do we think? Um, Which one of these sound more interesting for developing our narrative in TAGE 2? So I have a
1: question, concept. Mm -hmm. As far as an outside force, does it have to be external to the whale, or could it be like an outside force that's not currently in control, like the revolution?
4: Mm. Mm. Interesting. So the, uh, the, the, the Same thing that we're all mind. playing towards is assimilation, right? So it, I think something internally wouldn't be driving us towards assimilation necessarily unless we can get a little, like we, we'd have to work that in somehow. Okay. Right. So this could be a group on the inside that is establishing communications again, possibly, uh, and is going to bring that culture in and assimilate us back into Earth that way um and that's an option if we'd like to go that way how are we all feeling
2: um i feel like that's something i could do for my weather tower pretty easily was yeah. just saying <laughs> okay
4: uh yeah i think we could definitely Especially play a simulation if i
2: have some help from the magician over here
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. uh, i don't know why why it keeps malfunctioning the, the recording device is just having all sorts of issues i'm i'm sorry I'll, I'll, I'll salt and get to it <laughs>
4: awesome uh yeah and so but as part of assimilation this is going to be you know we have communications again and earth is going to be exerting some like assimilation force over us even if there is a revolution right uh does that make sense and does that sound like Mm -hmm. something we can play towards like we no longer believe Mm -hmm. in the promise of the bloom
1: Mm -hmm. and we just want to get back to where it's stable again
2: Right. Or, I mean, the thing is, is if we reestablish communications with Earth, it's entirely possible in the time since we've been gone because we don't know how long it took us to get here, right? Mm -hmm. So Earth has moved on several, however much time, and um, could be an entirely different place. Um, If we reestablish connection, the next thing that might happen is, you know, they're sending people out to basically Mm -hmm. retake the colony.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's also very possible. Okay, so at the moment, I think that uh, maybe – it sounds like rumors, rumors. might be yeah, what I think we're going Okay, yeah, rumors of an outside force are spreading. How did they start? Uh why do we all not believe them? So it sounds like there are rumors that some people might be back in communication with Earth, right? And uh why do we all not believe them? Well, some of us believe we probably have more control than that. But what do you think?
0: I don't think Earth even exists anymore. Mm-hmm. I think a couple years after we left, they died out, because people can't live that way. That's why we live up here.
4: Of course, it just rotted. Rotten plants, they just, they decay upon themselves. They they weren't going towards the bloom. They're now just given back into the dirty brown earth that they had, Children they had originally Children might not from. know
0: this, but on earth, there were oceans of salt. Oh, (laughs) it was most of the planet, and you can't drink that water.
4: Oh, you're making me feel sick. Disgusting. Okay, (laughs) great. Um, So, um, the next
2: thing we do—oceans of salt. salt. (laughs) You look
4: nauseous there.
2: oceans of salt wow
0: (laughs) well heroes that's it for one shot this week but don't worry we'll be back next week with more dialect if you liked what you heard this episode you can find dialect on kickstarter in october and while you're on kickstarter be sure to look for this week's sponsor the dungeons and dragons fifth edition translation of the plight of from the imperium's campaign settings by more games And since you've got Kickstarter on the brain, you should check out the one-shot preview of Illamont, the game designed by Keith Baker and the Decemberists. We've got a 30-minute long actual play video starring Chris Funk, Adlerify, Matt Young, Ali Barthwell, and myself. You can check the link in the show notes to see this preview of the game before the Kickstarter goes up on October 4th. And while you're waiting for these amazing games to arrive from Kickstarter, you can catch up with us on the one-shot Twitch stream. This Monday will be a new episode of Dungeon Rats with special guest Aram Varchin from God's Fall. To get prepared, you might want to check out last week's episode, which is saved in our YouTube archive, where I was the special guest. That'll be 8.15pm Central Standard Time on Monday. Then on Thursday, the One-Shot Board Game stream will be back with Phantom Society at 8pm Central Standard Time. OneShot is a proud partner in the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you're an advertiser in the Chicago area looking for an engaged audience, be sure to contact the Co-op about advertising opportunities. And if you're a listener who wants to find a new show, be sure to check out Blastro Podcast, a comedy talk show focused on science bursting with absurdity. As always, a big thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend about the show. You can also leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. If you want to hear more from the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com OneShotPod. Check out our Tumblr at OneShotPodcast.tumblr.com. Check out our Google Plus community, or look for news on the site at oneshotpodcast.com. If you're looking to inquire about advertising rates, live appearances, and commissioning episodes, or you have a question or comment about something you heard on the show, contact us at master at oneshotpodcast.com. One Shot is a joint production between Peaches and Hot Sauce and Paracosm Press. Peaches and Hot Sauce is a Chicago based comedy network with tons of great podcasts, videos, and live shows for you to check out at peachesandhotsauce.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Be Your Own Pet with Adventure, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records.
1: See you next time, heroes.